This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Our preview of uh, Seahawks head coaching candidates continues. We head out to Carolina to get some insight on Ajero Evero. We'll see if we're saying that correctly with a man who probably says it quite often. He's the Panthers broadcaster. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Anish Shroff is with us. How are you, sir? You got it right. Ajero Evero. Evero. Ajero Evero. Okay. <laughs> now we got that part. Uh, give us a sense of what, what uh, you know, the Seahawks are, are going to talk to him. They're interested in him. I know other teams are as well. Uh, he's probably the least known name on the list for the yep. Seahawks anyway. So sort of enlighten us as to who he is, what what kind of football mind are we talking about? Yeah, one, just in person, very impressive. When you meet with him, when you speak with him, has the aura, has the presence of a head coach. He was with Denver a season ago, a bad Denver football team that despite not having a great pass rush, despite not having a, a great defense in terms of you know, guys that jump out besides a Patrick Sertan, they were pretty good uh, statistically. And then he came to Carolina last year. You guys saw what happened. Team goes 2-15 and 15. offensively. It was a disaster. There's no way around it. The team struggled to score, and this was a defense that, believe it or not, kept them in a lot of these games. And there were a number of games where the defense kept the opponent in the low 20s or the teens, and points were scored because the offense turns it over on a short field. So there is some context to be applied. And and I think the, the two ways that I look at it is, one, if you look at the raw defensive numbers for Carolina, total defense, passing defense, things like that, you say, wow, this is pretty good defense. Part of that was when the team got down, other teams went conservative and were willing to play field position, willing to punt, just because there was very little respect for Carolina's offense. So that skews the numbers, you know, toward lesser statistics against the defense. The other part, and this is to Giro's credit, there were a lot of injuries outside of Derek Brown, who had an incredible season. There was mostly regression or neutral progression. I wouldn't even call it progression, you know, neutral movement by some of these players. And with all the injuries and moving pieces and different parts coming in, it was kind of this bend but don't break defense for most of the season. And then for the most part, it was uh, it was bend and not break. And uh, they kept uh, a bad team in a lot of games. Yeah, Anisha, I was just looking at the numbers. Not bad, but I'm glad you explained that. You know, as far as passing and total yards go, they're they're top five. But I don't, this is maybe just me. I've kind of fallen into categorizing these guys as you know either a motivator or a yeah. teacher. Which way do you do you lean? I mean, is he a, the kind of guy that can get up in front of a room and and lead men, or is he more of like an X's and O's guy? You know, he's very well respected, and I'm with you. I think sometimes in these coaching searches, too much is made of scheme, and this guy does this, and he runs this. Well, so much of that is dependent on the personnel that you have. He came in, he ran a 3-4, he was able to make it work. I'll say maybe one strike against him is that someone like Jeremy Chin, who in his first two years in the league was a really good player, a safety who was making 100-plus tackles, was runner-up to Chase Young for Defensive Rookie of the Year, he basically fell off the map and played, you know, hardly any snaps this season. He was hurt for a while when he was healthy. He was only playing 25, 30% of the snaps and became a glorified special teamer. So 
I think from a leadership standpoint, I can tell you this. The players that I talk to speak very highly of them. All of them are for Ajiro coming back and keeping this defensive coaching staff intact to run back the same defense last year. He was able to extract, I thought, um, some pretty good production against what was essentially scrap metal talent. At times, you know, we're picking up guys off the waiver wire and uh, picking up guys that, you know, were off the practice squad of other teams and elevating them with all the injuries they had on defense. And, you know, somehow uh, he was able to keep that together. And, again, they were a functional defense for most of the season. So, you know, if you ask me, is he a scheme guy? He's got his scheme. It's a 3-4 defense. They play a lot of strong nickel. Um, but I think the leadership component resonated in the locker room, and that's real. As far as the fans, I'm sure they feel down about everything in a two-win season. There's probably not a lot of positivity coming out of a fan base. But is he a guy that you feel like, hey, the fans are going to be, wow, I can't believe you let that guy get out of here. That What a bummer. Or are they like good riddance? <laughs> it's kind of No, he was one of the guys that is viewed very highly and positively from this fan base. Because, again, you know, you take the game against the Colts, right? The Panthers lost that game, what was it, 27 to 13. Now, they had two pick sixes in that game. They had a turnover inside their own 30-yard line. Uh, the defense did its job. You look at the game against Chicago. Uh, you held Chicago to, what, 16 points. You lose the game. The game against Houston, which the Panthers won, again, we saw what C.J. Stroud was doing all season long. They held the Texans to 13 points. So th this was a defense that I thought played well for the vast majority of the season uh, Ejiro Evero was a guy who actually interviewed for the Panthers head coaching job a season ago. Um, he had, I think, multiple head coaching interviews last year. So he's somebody who's highly regarded in NFL circles. Um, but, yeah, he, he is somebody that we would miss if, if he were to go and take a head coaching job somewhere else. Hey, Anish, uh, tell us, I mean, I think a lot of things get sort of blown up, um, you know, on social media and things like that. But as far as the, the ownership goes there, uh, maybe seems a, a little bit, uh, you know, like maybe he's a little high strung or, <laughs> you know, some of the, those things. But as, as far as, you know, the direction of the, the franchise and David Tepper, what uh, what can you tell us about that? You know, that's the... <laughs> That's the 800-pound elephant in the room going into the offseason is where do you go from here? Because going into last year, the thought was, hey, you've got a pretty good defense, which was the case. Offensively, they thought they had a pretty good offensive line. It didn't work out that way. They thought they had enough around a rookie quarterback. It did not work out that way. So there was a miscalculation in terms of, how that team was assembled, how the roster was assembled, and, hey, all we had to do was drop a quarterback in, and they equated it to Seattle in sort of how Russell Wilson was dropped in as the last piece, and obviously it didn't work that way. So you know, where do we go from here? What's the direction that we go from here? I wish I had a real answer for you, but that's something they've got to figure out. In the offseason, they just hired Dan Morgan to be the president of football ops and the general manager. You guys know him. He kind of came up through Seattle with uh, Scott Fitterer. He had been yeah. the assistant GM. So that, all that is something that's going to be sorted out here in the next few months. Now, once they leave here, they're dead to us. So, you know, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. But, no, that's that's cool. I mean, is it, is, as far as that, that offense goes, and I know you were just touching on it with a rookie quarterback and everything, what's what's the level of optimism out there that, all right, you know, listen, there's there are reasons that, 
you won only two games this season, you're going to be just fine? Or is there any level of panic? Oh, we should have gone with C.J. Stroud because obviously he's, he's coming off a great season and a playoff run. I'm wondering, is there is there buyer's remorse with the fan base out there? Or what's the, what's the reaction? Well, I think when you have a season like C.J. Stroud had, you know, that becomes a very easy narrative. And listen, when he has that kind of season and you go 2-15, and 15, um, as much as you want to try to sugarcoat it, I think that is fair game. Both Bryce Young and C.J. have long careers in front of them. We'll see how it plays out. At the end of the day, for the Panthers, it comes down to this. If, if, if Bryce Young is still a guy worthy of that number one pick, maybe he's never C.J. Stroud, but he can end up being a really good quarterback in the NFL. And if he can be that guy and he can be the guy for your franchise for the next decade to 15 years, then you have your beacon of hope. Anisha, you know, watching the the playoffs, and obviously yeah. it's a little bit more you know focused here uh, as far as looking at the coaching. But I feel like more than ever, this has been the the year of the coach, right? It's like the speculation. First of all, you know, you have Pete and and Bill Belichick leaving, and there are some firings here and there, and then you see these young guys coming. Uh, coming up and you know looking at uh, some of the success that like D'Amico Ryans has had but yeah it seems like uh, to me uh, coaching is more of a premium in the NFL than it than it ever has been since I've been working with the Seahawks it does feel that way and that's why they're getting paid the money that they get paid and to go back to what you sort of started with I go back to this there's always that attraction and that gravitation toward the hot young assistant who's got the scheme and everybody wants Kyle Shanahan. Everybody wants Sean McVay. Everybody wants uh, Mike McDaniel, even though the dolphins have had now back-to-back late season swoons. I go back to this when there's a guy in the locker room who feels he's not getting paid what he's worth. Can you handle that? When factions start to break out within a locker room or within a coaching staff, can you kill the serpent in its shell without that exploding and getting out? Can you keep that stuff in-house? When you've got guys complaining about playing time or I should be doing this or I should be doing that, can you step up? Can you command a locker room? And can you be a leader? To me, there's still value. And the guys that you mentioned, Pete Carroll, they were known for that. Bill Belichick. They were known for that. Maybe their time has come and gone and they had a great run, but I always feel you can go get scheme guys. You can go get a coordinator who can draw plays on a napkin. What Dan Campbell does, what John Harbaugh does, and the reason that they've lasted and the reason I think Dan Campbell's going to be a great coach, that's the stuff I don't think you can put a premium on. That I still feel is in short supply, and that's why those guys are so valued. Hey, before we let you go, do you have a do you have a feeling about uh, what we're going to see in the playoffs coming up? Like, who who's do you have a pick? Who do you expect to see in the Super Bowl? You know, I remember the game. I don't know, week ten, week eleven. I don't remember the exact week, but it was Baltimore against Detroit, and the way the Ravens came out and absolutely put a blowtorch to Detroit, and then did it, you know, on, on Monday night or whatever it was against San Francisco. Um, I, I just have a hard time seeing anybody beating the Ravens with how they're playing, running the football. Lamar looks to be like the MVP of the league defensively. They're elite. Um, I know it's hard to beat Kansas City in the playoffs, but I have a hard time seeing anybody beating Baltimore. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, that's the only the only team that uh, just got crushed. Well, maybe maybe other teams did, but the Detroit Lions just got crushed by Baltimore. And, and I think it doesn't um, – 
Doesn't Lamar Jackson have some ridiculous streak against the NFC or something? Yeah, I think like he's that. got like one loss. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty impressive. Uh Anish, we really appreciate you taking time with us. Thanks so much. And uh, enjoy the games coming up this weekend. You too. Appreciate it, guys. See you. Thanks, Anish. There you go. Anish Shroff, the uh, voice, dude. radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. You see him up there in the booth? And yeah. He came over last time uh, when Carolina was here this year and was giving us, you know, hey, this guy, that. And, you know, we kind of ch- exchanged information. So, yeah, you know, it's a it's a radio play-by-play guy type of thing. Yeah, you know? it's a brotherhood. Yeah, it's a brotherhood. Yeah, we have a union. You guys can relate to each other's plight. <laughs> exactly. Do you have to go through this? Do you have a rabel you have to deal with? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's always. There's no answer for that. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, like the some of the the stories, the backstories, the stuff that you don't read, he's great at giving you information there, and also pronunciation always helps. <laughs> Now, he, he said his first name a little bit different. It was a harder a Giro. Uh, we've heard three different names. But didn't let's, he say let's it a go little back. bit? Let's go back to the original here. Hello, my name is Ajiro Rivero. I'm the defensive coordinator. Now, that was 11 months ago, so maybe Ajiro. things have changed. Maybe he's changed the <laughs> yeah. way he says his own name. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go with the guy that has yes. the name. Yeah, Ajiro Because he put a little harder. It was a harder J. He said Ajiro. No was, yogging. It wasn't yeah. a soft J. Yeah, no, harder J there. So... Man, if he becomes a head coach, we're really going to have to work on that. <laughs> I mean, that's the first question to him. When he's hired, that has to be the first I'm question. I'm guessing he'll do exactly what he did there. If he, yeah. Wherever he gets hired, if he gets a head coaching job, whether it's Seattle or anywhere, I'm guessing he that'll be the first thing that comes out of his mouth. That's going to be pretty weak, though, if the first question, you hire this guy and, you know, how do you say your name again? I think that's he's going to be preemptive. Be... That was preemptive before anybody could even ask. Yeah. Hello, my yeah. name is Ejero. Ejero. Evero, yeah. let's go. Let's go over it again. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, so ha- we've we've heard from a few different people. We've we've taken a look at at uh, at Slowick. We've taken a look at Morris, which we'll get later in the day uh, from Morris, De- yeah. from uh, Demarco Farr, obviously Evero. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Dan Quinn. Dan Last Quinn, week. obviously. We, we start with Dan him, Quinn. Yeah. We already know about him, though. Did he, we ask about what about the Mike McDonald? Have we not? Not yet. We haven't talked yeah, to anybody from Baltimore. Uh, technically, him. hasn't been and interviewed. Then, so. And then uh, not on our the guy in Detroit. We talked to Dan Doherty about uh, Ben Johnson there. So, it, based on anything you've heard, is there is there anything to this point? And we're not done. We're going to keep going through all these these names um, and get get a little scouting report on each one of them. But to this point, is it, has anybody stood out in sort of the review we've we've heard? <sighs> Not really. <laughs> I mean, who told us to keep our grubby hands off? Yeah, that was Which, uh, was that, that was, was uh, Doherty with uh, Ben Slo- or Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick. Slowick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's pretty impressive what what he's done. Um, again, I still think the whole thing hinges on when he worked at Pro Football Focus. Was he criticizing the clowns that were trying to evaluate <laughs> whether or not players are good or not? Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's I'm still I'm still on the two young guys, and again, probably just because it's a shiny new toy, and they're young, and it's exciting what they're doing defensively with the Ravens, offensively with the Lions. So I'm kind of in that mode, but I, I still keep coming back. I'm looking, and I sent you guys these stories that the Falcons seem to be the most openly active team. I mean, they've 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 got second interviews now with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, and they're on the list for a bunch of these same coaches the Seahawks are talking to. So they're in terms of what they're saying out in public, they're very aggressive. And in two interviews each with both of those guys, is there 
think there's a chance Har- you know, Harbaugh or Belichick's going to meet with, with John and maybe we don't hear about it or it's not going to be a public thing? Or do you think they're just not on the list? I feel like every one of these young guys are going to be like, hey, man, I'm going to take every opportunity that I possibly can. But I don't know. If you're Bill Belichick, aren't you like, come on. You know you're not going to hire me here. In but, Atlanta or where? No, here. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I like know. that's that's maybe one of those where you just, yeah, maybe not. But I just still think that that would be the most awesome thing. And I'm so curious. Like, there might be just a couple of things that this, you know, if, if all things are equal with a couple of these coaches, just a couple things that they say. You know, maybe it's a, an approach or a mentality or whatever that's going to kind of put them over the top. But yeah, this is uh, this is really cool, though. I I, you know, we we keep talking about for John Schneider that it is very much a high pressure situation for him, and but he does have a tendency to evaluate really well. But we don't know if it's coaches. We're not sure if uh, that's yeah, we've never seen that yet. Exclusive to uh, to maybe uh, you know his selection of players. So we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like that was you know as far as Harbaugh and. Belichick go, I feel like that's kind of the opposite of what John would want. If you're waiting for 14 years and then you hire a guy that's going to want to be very hands-on and, you know, not necessarily, you know, put subjugate themselves into a position where it's like, okay, well, I'm kind of second in command here. You feel that way or you feel well, like- I, I feel like we're making assumptions about both of them and maybe both are accurate because Bill is coming from that. He's he was the GM and the head coach yeah. out there in New England. So it's a normal assumption to be like, well, that's what he wants to be. But everybody said that's kind of the reason he was let out of there is you're not a good GM. It has not been going well. It's not your strength. Your strength is coaching. So does he go to more of a strictly coaching role wherever he lands, if it's Atlanta or San Diego or wherever? Yeah. But Jim Harbaugh on the other side, he's got a little juice to sort of call his shot, if you will. He's coming off a national title. Yeah. He's he's got a job technically right now. He's still the Michigan head coach. He can he can go back there. They've got a ten year deal on the table for him. So they're in two different spots in terms of their leverage, is how I see it. But I feel like we're all making the same assumption that they want to control everything. And maybe they do. But I haven't I haven't heard that officially that that's I wanna interview i want to i want to be the head coach but i also want to say in personnel and i also want to say in this that and the other yeah we haven't heard that We're yeah just- i guess i'm just I, I am making an assumption but uh it makes sense to me because harbaugh you're in a really good situation you just won the national championship you're pretty much in charge of recruiting everything so why wouldn't you want that and then same thing with belichick could easily retire and pretty much i mean like guys like him and pete could probably do a whole wide range of things from being like a a motivational speaker to a head coach. So, you know, they they have a chance to be more picky. And, you know, I feel like for, for like Belichick, he's kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go back and do it again. If I get this, that, and the other, just makes sense to me that they would want a little bit more control. But by the way, I just got a text from somebody who has worked with Ejiro uh, Rivero. Uh, and just said, there's no R <laughs> it's Averro. Averro. Does it not start with an R? No, which, which part of the name? Which name? Yeah, the coach Geraldo is the, Rivera. Uh, Rivero. Rivero. We're just making up names for him now. I was thinking, uh, Geraldo Rivero. Rivera. Yeah. Because no, I just said it. We're all, I, I got a feeling we're going to hear this at the end. Anyway, of the show. outstanding, outstanding person, type of guy you'd want your uh, your daughter to marry. Uh, just an outstanding guy. So yeah, nice endorsement from a guy that I respect very much. So. 
But is he a good coach? That's all that matters. Yeah. Can he win, Dave? Can he put together a win? He didn't include that part in the text. All right. Well, let's hope that's part of the package. All right, coming up, we just got a little more insight on one candidate, but what about the other four who are set to interview? We're going to get into those guys. Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. People are mocking us for screwing up the guy's name, Dave. We'll get it. We'll get it down. <laughs> By the time he gets here, they get him signed. The second that they check him off the list, I'm never going to say his name again. I yeah. just have this at the ready. Hello, my name is Adriel Rivero. Um, That's going to open Adrian our show. Rivero. Can you play it again? Yeah. Hello, my name is Adriel Rivero. Um, Adriel Rivero. It still sounds like there's an R in the front of it. <laughs> Where? Israel he, Rivero? He's hearing Rivero. Rivero? <laughs> Rivero? Look again. how it's spelled. Play it again. It's spelled E-V-E-R-O. No, I understand E-R-O. that part. But Hello, my name is Israel Rivero. Um, Sounds like Israel Rivero. Fast. It's very fast. You're right. It is fast. Somebody said, Rivero, LOL. Bob, are you doing that on purpose? I didn't. I'm not the one that said Rivero. That's Dave. Dave Ryman? Like, why is there an R? Ryman. <laughs> Where's the R coming from? I don't know. Yeah. You don't hear it? No. Alrighty. <laughs> this is the man who doesn't like super troopers. Yeah, that's right. That we can always go back to that. And then the, Jeff in San Jewish. Diego says, I wish I could call in so you guys could hear me deliberately mispronounce your names. Bob and Dave. Good luck. He's talking about last names. I'm <laughs> Good luck. Uh, all right. So the Seahawks are, are set to uh, conduct interviews. And and by the way, for as far as the uh, experienced guys, the guys that, you know, the Harbaugh's, the Belichick's, Vrabel, people asking about that. They don't have to get permission to talk to those guys. There's no restrictions on that, and they don't have to make it public. So they they very well could be talking to those guys. Uh, we haven't heard that. I haven't heard anything about a scheduled interview with Belichick, Harbaugh, or Vrabel. If somebody has, let me know. But I haven't I haven't heard that of you. No, I have not heard one thing. And again, we talk about this uh, how that place is tight lipped, man. They don't they don't let information slip. You know, John, and we always talk about Dave Pearson, the fact yeah. that he's he's so mean and threatening. That, uh, he's menacing. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a Fort Knox, Knox of secrets there. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think we're going to be surprised, or do you think it's going to be one of these names that everybody knows? I kind of feel like we might be surprised. I mean, the That's first three names on this list. So the Seahawks are set to conduct second interviews with five coaches so far, and these are in-person interviews. Evero, who we just talked about, not Rivero. Uh, Rivero. (laughs) Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator. We have not really mentioned anything about him. And we'll do a scouting report on him. Mike Kafka, who I know was a quarterback at one point with the Eagles. Uh, Giants offensive coordinator. What if it's one of those three? Those are the three least known names on the list for the Seahawks anyway. Um, You know, we talked about Slowick. We talked about Johnson and McDonald. McDonald, they haven't talked to yet, obviously. Uh, But then the other two on this list that they're going to have second interviews with, uh, Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris. So of these five, do you have a favorite? These five on this list right here, I I would go with Dan Quinn just because of the guy that you know. I mean, look, you you can hear all kinds of things, but until you actually meet these guys. But look, I I don't remember. I, I remember in the very beginning thinking that Pete Carroll wasn't a very good choice. 
You weren't alone. There was a lot. I was always so surprised by that, but I wasn't here. I was in L.A. where he was a god. Yeah. So but I had yeah. a completely different view of him than there. you were in the majority out here. Yeah. and I. The, but then it changed very quickly for me, and it was during a press conference. I always tell the story. I was listening to the radio. I was listening to him, and there was like several things that he addressed, and I'm like, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, Pete Carroll – Love this guy. And, you know, so, I mean, we're going to find out about this guy, uh, whoever it is. And it's going to be very interesting. But it just it's just so weird to me because for 14 years, and it's so uncommon. I mean, now that we're looking at these these candidates and you go back and you look at their Wikipedia page or whatever where they've been, it's like two years, three years, four yeah. years, one year. Just, yeah, it's 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 crazy. So in, in looking at this list and, and, you know, you still have guys you want to talk to Mike McDonald. Obviously you can't until the, are we rooting against the Ravens by the way? So yeah. that they can talk to him. <laughs> so that, I kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards him that it's a defensive guy and I'm excited about the potential of him and, and, and uh, what's the name from the, uh, from the lions, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, such a hard name to pronounce. I don't, I skip over it. It's so common. I think there's an R in there though. <laughs> Is there an the R? Start. Yeah. <laughs> burn, burn Johnson, burn Johnson. Uh, but yeah, those are the two. And again, it's really based on them just being the shiny new toy, what they're doing with their team. Certainly. I mean, you look at that defense with the Ravens. We talked about it. It's ridiculous. It's smothering, it's suffocating. And then you look at the offense that offense is fun to watch. I do enjoy watching that Lions team, and not because they've been my childhood team since forever, according to John, the late, great John Clayton. It is a fun offense to watch. So the potential of what they could do, now that's them as coordinators. How are they when they are running the whole show? could be totally different. So I, I fully acknowledge either one of those could be a brilliant choice or it could go exactly the wrong way like Joshy Boy. Mm. You know, maybe some we've talked about it. Some guys just aren't head coaches. They're great coordinators. They're just not built for head coaching. One of the criticisms that we've heard, and this is uh, your guy, um, Lefko, but he's the smartest guy in the room, you know? And so we're talking about Which Vrabel. Guy? Oh, and, right, right, right. You know, right. That was, that's one criticism I feel like. You don't like that. That yeah. is not a good one. That is not a good quality. So, you know, because I know with Schneider's very humble and he'll ask questions of every single person and, you know, that – to me, I think when you have more questions than answers is always a good thing. But, um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I think that's the, the least that you would, as far as a trait goes. But, look, we're all, what we're doing is looking at these guys as what the job that they've done as offensive and defensive coordinators. We don't, we don't really have any idea uh, what, kind of, what kind of guys they are, you know, and what kind of leadership you're going to get. Yeah, the the only names on this list you have any idea are Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris, who have both been head coaches. Right. Brief, you know, especially in Raheem's case, but there is, you know, something of a resume there to look at and go, all right, well, what do they do in their situations with the Falcons and with the Bucks? So, um, I don't, you know, and I don't know how much you take from that. How how different are these guys based on what they they did and what they learned in those situations? I mean, Dan Dan Quinn had some success. He got to a Super Bowl. Now it was an epic collapse in that Super Bowl, but they got there. Um, you know, Raheem Morris, it was sort of a nondescript time as a, as a head coach. So I don't know how different he, his method is now, how different his philosophy is now versus back then. But those are the only two you could look at and say, well, let's see what they did as a head coach because, you know, with Kafka and, and Evero and Graham, they haven't been. 
Well, and also the epic collapse in the Super Bowl, that's happened to a lot of people at the hands of uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Yeah. Or how, how many points were they up? Do you remember? Uh, double game? digits going, was it 10 going into the fourth quarter? That sounds are like you, Are you talking about, oh, I was talking about the Seahawks. Uh, oh, they were up, Falcons were up, what, like? In the fourth quarter? As I mean, it was 28-3 late in the third. I yeah, they were up by wow, 25. It would, wow. Was that going scored into the fourth, really though? Late. I think they might. I think the Patriots scored very late in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, they had a No, 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 don't rate. quote me on that. Yeah, but that's Even though I just said crazy. it. <laughs> Quoting Mike Lefko, 25 points in the fourth quarter, and they, they gacked it away. So, yeah, you're right. you got to give credit to the opposition, but... You know, certainly in the Seahawks case, we saw what happened after Cliff Averill got knocked out of the game. That seemed to change their defense and what they didn't do well in that game. So we, we all focus on the play that didn't work at the goal line, but we, we neglect to mention the defense gacking away a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So at one point it was 28-9, to nine, right? Let's see here if my math is correct. Yeah, so Patriots end up winning uh, 34-28. Uh, just, that's brutal. Yeah, uh, that's, that's rough. That's really tough. They gave up 19 fourth quarter points. Yeah, it's not good. And then it's they go, good, go to overtime. Yeah, it's not good, especially if you're a defensive-minded head coach. That's your background is defense, and you give up 19 to tie the game and go to overtime in the biggest game of your career. That's that's a little rough. I, whenever I see anything like that, I, I'm just I always my mind always goes to Super Bowl 49. And how disappointing that was. And I, I think I didn't tell this story that we were trying to, me and Max Strong were trying to make the way our way down to the field to do the post-game television. And um, th- when that that interception occurred, I turned around and there was a Patriot lady and she was jumping up and down with her arms, but no sound was coming out of her mouth. She wasn't screaming. She was just jumping op- up and down and she had her mouth open. And I really wanted to give her a forearm shiver. <laughs> really did. <laughs> But I didn't. That would have been poorly received, Dave. That it, wouldn't have worked out it's well. It's just salt in the wound. Yep. It's just awful. Yep. All right. Coming up, the, the four teams left in the playoffs show the importance of one position in particular. We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Coming up at 4 o'clock, our old buddy DeMarco Farr, Husky legend, pro bowler for the Rams, Super Bowl champion. Nice guy. Good guy. All around good good guy. He's a part of the Rams broadcast. He will join us at 4 o'clock. Give us some insight on Raheem Morris, another another candidate for the Seahawks head coaching spot. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, Meanwhile, we were looking um, looking at what went on this weekend. First of all, let me ask you this: as you as you look at the the key reason these four teams are there, is there one commonality? Is there one thing you point at and say it's the quarterback, or it's the head coach, or it's the defense, or are they all different in your mind? Mm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, with some teams, obviously it's the quarterback. Would you say that about the Lions, though? I, I, to it me, takes them all, man. I mean, he, he's got to make those throws. Yeah, he's, and he played well. I don't think they win without Jared Goff. I don't. I don't. Who's his backup? I don't, I don't think they're winning with this backup. No. I, I no. think you got to give them some credit, Dave. Yeah. I know it hurts. Well, the only reason is because if I'm asked to select one, I'm probably going to say Dan Campbell. You know. Is a reason for the, for yeah, the Lions. Yeah, if you want a single yeah. reason for the Lions. No, that's totally fair. That's why I'm asking about Jared Goff. Um, and then, you know, as far as the Chiefs go, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear it's Patrick Mahomes. Ravens, I think it's clear it's Lamar Jackson. 49ers. I might have to go with the coach there. 
I think Mike uh, Mike or not Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. I feel like is probably a the bigger part maker. of that, maybe the difference maker. But I don't know. I'm. It's funny. I don't want to be one of these anti Brock Purdy guys, but I don't know. It's. Uh, do you think you could plug somebody in with? Similar talent, and maybe he could run it. I've always kind of had that that feeling about the 49er offense. Yeah, it feels like that, but I just feel like he's – and that's, to me, what made his game so confusing is he was so opposite of what he's been. Like I said, nobody's ever said he's the biggest, strongest, great arm guy. It's not what he does. He's not fast. He doesn't have a cannon, but he's wildly accurate. He makes the throws that are – he hits guys when they're open. He looks like he's got arc on all of his passes. Like he'll just kind of float it over the middle – and it's just the timing is perfect landing between two defenders converging on the ball, but it ends up in the arms of his receiver. Well, and He's, the other thing is it's hard to drop a ball over the linebacker yeah. and in you know, inside of where the safety is. That's a that's a hard throw, man. Yeah, I think he makes I, a lot of them. I think you know, and they were showing, I think, when it was uh what was it, when there were eight teams left, every single quarterback was a first round pick, except for him. Mm. He was, you know, of all the AT, there were seven first rounders and Brock Purdy, the seventh yeah. rounder. So I think, you know, we, we talked about it before. He's going to get a lot of attention for success, but the second he doesn't perform, it's going to be, there's going to be that group of, I told you so, told you there's a reason he's a seventh round pick or the final, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, but he, he wasn't playing well. Now, again, maybe it was the conditions started with a glove. It was pouring rain. The balls are wet, blah, blah, blah. But when it, when it was all on the line, you got to give him credit for that final drive because he was pinpoint. He looked like he did during the regular season where he was just ding, 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 ding down the field. Um, and maybe he is a product of the system. Maybe you throw him behind, a, you know, Seahawks O-line and he, he doesn't perform nearly that well. I don't know. I don't know. It's certainly, I think any quarterback would shine behind what the 49ers have. Don't you? I mean, I think they'd all, you know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's a great system, and that 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 definitely is the case. Um, Lamar Jackson is just so unique and individual. But you know, you might be overlooking the fact that you know you've got uh, John Harbaugh, who is who is really, I mean, he is a very underrated coach, but a heck absolutely. of a dancer. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I was watching him in there, and I'm like, I, I was like, no, please don't, please, please don't do that. Yeah, nothing awkward oh. looking about his dance. Nothing awkward at all. <laughs> the guys are cheering him on too. They should be helping a brother out. I go over there. Go. No, 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 no. You have a seat. He's giving them material. Seat. They're gonna have that material. Hey, remember Coach Danson? Remember that? They're gonna. Yeah, that's a memory that's gonna be burned in their minds. Yeah. Well, the other thing though is Mike McDonald too. I mean, and I don't know how much. That, to me, is the thing that's so clear is how hard they play on defense. I mean, I think it's even better than the Niners. I mean, and they got two of my favorite linebackers in Greenlaw and uh, Warner, the other guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm all Warner. in on Dre Greenlaw, man. Two <laughs> the interceptions other guy. yesterday. <laughs> Rivero, him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it to me, it's – I think that – I think Baltimore's defense is better. Well, so could you look at – could you look at Baltimore and say the defense is that good that if they had they didn't have Lamar, they had Purdy or they had somebody who's not as dynamic? Yeah. Certainly nobody's as dynamic as Lamar is, but I don't know, just Joe average quarterback, just don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Could they still be just as successful? Well, I mean, look, you can't replace Lamar Jackson, but yeah, I mean, I think that defense is going to play that way no matter what. You look at they've lost two they lost twice 
believe it or not, to the Steelers and the same score, which is weird, 17 to 10. Um, and, you know, then you look at uh, they lost in overtime to Indianapolis. That was another one of their losses. And then they lost to Cleveland by two points. But other than that, they've just blown through their schedule. 35-19, 56-19, 23-7. I mean, 34-20. This is a very well-rounded team right here. And I think the fact that it's hard to determine if it's Lamar Jackson or the coach, that's kind of tells the story. Well, Nelson Aguilar, who's not catching babies, but he's catching passes uh, from, from uh, Lamar Jackson, basically saying we are nothing without Lamar Jackson. We are as he goes, like, you know what I'm saying? Like his personality, he is the Baltimore Ravens. You know, he leads the right way, you know, by example, but also when it's time to talk, is said and then he executes he does you know he doesn't just talk 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 and then go out there and not do nothing he says what needs to be said and goes out there and executes he's the leader he's there's no there's no dispute as to who the leader of that team is and it's lamar so it's i mean to have that defense and to have a quarterback that does what he does who's who's that much of a problem that's that's pretty unique that's pretty unique and you know listen the seahawks were kind of in that mode i'm not i'm not saying russ was the equivalent you know, Lamar's a much more dynamic runner, but Russ in his youth, he was a problem. He was a problem with his mobility and his ability to keep a play alive. And that's what teams face. They faced a generational defense and a quarterback that could make the deep throws better than anybody in the league and could keep the play alive as good as anybody in the league, if not the best at it. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a double whammy where you're just like, all right, how, how do we combat this? And then you throw in, you know, Marshawn Lynch and everything else that was going on with the offense. But that's it's kind of similar to what the Seahawks. I don't I don't know that this Ravens defense compares to that Seahawks defense, but it it is a very good defense with a dynamic quarterback. Well, I I don't I know that Lamar Jackson would have to beef up and have like a different kind of body, but I feel like he can start at running back on more than half of the teams in the NFL. Just because of his his skill there, and then you throw in the fact that like remember the the year of his MVP he was like set close to seventy percent, sixty nine percent. His accuracy is phenomenal. So, yeah, he's just he's. I think the Ravens win it all this year, especially with the the way their defense is playing. But with Lamar Jackson, I just don't know how you stop him. All right, coming up, a lot to talk to uh, talk about with this guy, former Husky, current member of the Rams broadcast team, DeMarco Farr is going to join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.